growing green to generate more green. Welcome to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman. Each week we plant the conversational seeds about cultivation and the changing climate of cannabis culture. We'll peel back the layers of benefits of the world's most versatile plant, from food to fuel, from remedy to resource. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Grow Show with your host, multi-award winning grow master and respected cannabis consultant, Kyle Cushman. Hello and welcome. It's time to grind those choice nugs and see what we can find. This is The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com and I am your host, Kyle Cushman. This week, we have a special interview with Aaron Smith, Executive Director of the NCIA, that was recorded live from the floor of the 2016 NCIA Cannabis Summit recently that I attended in Oakland, California. In this special business-oriented edition of The Grow Show, Aaron and I discuss the NCIA, new and interesting technologies such as genetic mapping and industry regulation. Aaron also talks about the impact of legalization on business and the cannabis culture. Happy to have you with us today. Stay tuned after the interview for our weekly Ask Kyle segment, where I will answer your cannabis cultivation questions. We are live from the National Cannabis Industry Association in Oakland, California, and I am here with Aaron Smith, the National Director of the NCIA, and I'm glad we finally got to sit down because I did want to talk to you, and you've been so busy. Um, First, I want to thank you for putting on such a great show. Thank you, Kyle. This is... uh our biggest event ever. So glad to be able to sit here and, and talk with you. It's always a pleasure. I can tell it's the biggest. This is really nice. The traffic is really nice. And uh, man, this is really one of my favorite favorite events, for sure. Not because I have to put on a suit and a tie, <laughs> but because it, it really is a well-rounded event. You have so many educational classes, so many things for people to do here. Everybody... Uh, Everybody's not even bored by the third day. What do you know? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of fascinating topics to cover in the cannabis industry, and it, it's growing so fast that, you know, I think it was in a panel uh, or general session this morning with Steve D'Angelo, and he asked, you know, how many of you just got into the industry in the last year, and I about 75% of the hands went up. So there's a lot of new entrants into the marketplace that, you know, need to find out about best practices for being a responsible business operator. The policy issues surrounding cannabis, which are you know, obviously more complex than any other industry that, that I could imagine. Of course. Well, that brings me to, I'm curious to know, you know, how many years have you been doing this now? We launched NCIA in December 2010, so we're coming up on sixth anniversary. Very cool. And so, you know, you see the whole gambit of industries in this marketplace. And I'm curious what you could tell us, uh, what kind of new and interesting technologies you think are going to be up and coming? Well, you know, what we're seeing is these strain review sites like that started Leafly is one that, you know, that everybody I think knows as a household name in this sure. industry. The genetic uh, mapping. And the genetic mapping and mm-hmm. seeing seeing that information being, you know, compiled and made available to consumers mm-hmm. so that consumers can start selecting strains based on the mood that they're looking for. And then, of, of course, the technology that matches the strain to the, the retail outlet to acquire it. So, you know, I love seeing... You know all of these new new ideas that are that are coming, and also s- sustainable agricultural practices. Uh, you know we can't, as the industry is now a seven billion dollar industry, we'll be a twenty billion dollar industry in in five years. We can't be replacing the e- ecological uh, impact of of you know criminal grows exactly. with an industry with a massive carbon footprint. Sure. So you know really happy to see things moving trending in that direction and it's Uh it's also better for cultivators bottom line 
I agree. Regulation is very, very important, both for safety of the consumer and also to make a, uh, a valuable industry. You've got to have regulation. Of, of, you have to have sane regulation. This is a really great organization, and I'm not just saying that. I, I enjoy coming here. I've, I've spoken at your events before. Was there ever a time when you didn't think that this organization was going to fly? <laughs> yeah, i be frank about that, that uh, there were some really tough times there in the beginning. When we started in 2010, that was kind of the first green rush. That was after uh, Obama was inaugurated mm-hmm. and we saw the coal memo mm-hmm. come out and, and business, you know, for, for-profit marijuana businesses were opening up for the first time in, in the state of Colorado. Mm-hmm. But shortly after that, we, you know, saw civil asset forfeiture threats all over the country, dispensaries that were within a certain distance of schools or even mm-hmm. daycare centers and such. And it really put a chilling effect on the industry for quite some time until things dramatically turned around in November 2012 with Colorado and Washington moving forward with, with full regulation of adult use cannabis. And that was that was really the, the point at which everything turned around for NCIA and, and we started seeing some exponential growth. Great. That has been so fantastic, the, the, le- the legalization of recreational cannabis, the statistics that organizations like the police organizations are compiling are really doing a lot to discredit all of the negativity that people would like to associate with legalization. As we know, uh, this is a wonderful community of people. We're some of the most, I feel we're some of the most conscientious, caring people in the world, and it's nice that we're not as marginalized, and we're soon, hopefully, someday we won't be marginalized at all. Right. You know, what's, uh, what I think people saw pretty quickly in Colorado and Washington and Oregon is that legal marijuana uh, being sold through, you know, commercially through an open business in your community is not really that fascinating. It's just another... Well, it's really something that has existed since the dawn of time. It's just existed in the dark. Right. And now we're bringing it into the light, and uh, some people are uncomfortable with that. But they really need to understand, everybody really needs to understand that it's really not a new industry we're creating. We are creating a new industry in the sense of big business, but the small businesses has always been there. Right, right. And so have the big businesses. They were just called cartels. Right. <laughs> Very good. Very good. So I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, one of the things that is, that, that, that's a little troubling to me. We've known each other for a few years. You, you kind of know where I come from. I've always kind of represented the small grower. Uh, I'm a teacher and an educator, and I don't really necessarily go out and teach uh, facilities how to grow. I like teaching people how to grow. And one of the things that I'm concerned of, and uh, don't get me wrong, because I believe the commercialization is not only inevitable, I think it's important. It's, a, it's an important part in the normalization of the whole culture. I am a little bit afraid of commercialization over legalization. And what I mean by that is there's so much excitement around the business and there's so much money to be made that I'm afraid that maybe the culture is being left a little bit behind or just ignored. And I'm wondering if... Do you think that California can be a leader in the respect to set an example for unregulated personal cannabis? Yeah, I mean, I think, for one, the the industry does not have any economic reason to disallow personal cultivation, in in my mind. It will always be probably a smaller percentage of the cannabis consumed is consumed by people who grow it for themselves. I think we should be looking at a market that looks similar to beer, where, sure, there's some giant, you know, breweries that own a huge chunk of the market share, make you know cheap 
swill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then you have your craft breweries that are, all, are flourishing all over the country. Mm -hmm. And then you also have your home brewers. And if anything, I think, you know, cultivating cannabis, you know, somebody per cultivating their own personal uh, use cannabis actually can give them an appreciation of, of the plants and an appreciation of commercially produced cannabis. Sure. Uh, and then, of course, there's there's a whole industry around personal cultivation as well. So, and, and I think that, that it's really something, maybe a little kind of side effect of prohibition is that we have created a unique culture around cannabis and the cannabis industry that doesn't look like anything similar to any other sure. business sector in this country. And I really want to make sure that we can maintain that, at, even as we mainstream. You know, year after year, we're becoming more and more mainstream. Sure. Which is why we, you know, at this conference, uh, that's kind of an underlying theme with many of the panel sessions and the and the speakers that, that you're hearing today and yesterday. I really appreciate that a lot. Do you think that personal cannabis needs to be regulated at all, personally? Well, on a personal, well, so NCIA doesn't take a position on this, to, okay. be, to be clear. Personally, I think that it's inevitable that there will be some regulation on something like this. Mm -hmm. I don't, a city is not going to allow you to grow marijuana, you know, a field of hundreds of marijuana plants in your front yard without a fence, right? Sure. So, uh, so yeah, I think that there is some, some place for sensible regulation around it. And I, and I think that just like any other commodity, you know, you can grow vegetables for yourself sure. all you want but once it becomes a commercial operation you, you need a license now you need a license and exactly yeah, and so that's that's where the, the line should be that's changed. what I'm I agree 100% I, I, I kind of think that the legislators would be doing themselves a favor if they focused on commercial legalization and just any any cannabis that was not intended for sale really doesn't need to be regulated any more than you regulate what I put on my tomatoes at home or what I eat but you know, that's a little bit of a stretch. I'm just, I'm always for the culture. You know, I'm yeah. trying to preserve the culture, and, you know, the culture's been very good to me. It's very important to me. Do you think that federal legalization, once it happens, will exclude personal cultivation, or do you think we'll be able to get that in there as well? Well, my model legalization regime would be actually getting the federal government to allow states to handle these matters, and which is similar to alcohol. You know, there aren't you know, for, alcohol is regulated at the state level, but it's legal at the federal level. And I think that, that that's also, I think, more politically saliable because a member of Congress from Oklahoma or Texas or somewhere that's probably not going to have, you know, any large-scale legalization program anytime soon, mm -hmm. uh, it's easier for them to vote for states' rights than it is for them to uh, vote for something that's in conflict with, you know, perhaps their constituents' opinion. So I think that that is an issue that should be left to the state. And then, and, and like I said, in a lot of cases, localities, it's a land use issue. Whether or not you can, you know, grow marijuana in a certain parcel of land, you know, in a, in a, under certain conditions, that sort of thing is usually left to state uh, municipalities within the state. Mm -hmm. That does sound reasonable. Uh, getting on to kind of a different subject, can you comment on what, what you think it might take for uh, cannabis hemp to retake its rightful place in, in industry and textiles? Well, you know, I think that, that we're much further ahead on that than we are on, you know, adult use or so-called recreational. Really? Well, because, you know, we see, you know, we've, we've had it in the, in the farm bill now, with Republican uh, members of Congress that from the you know, the Bible Belt actually mm -hmm. are supporting bringing back hemp. So I think that, 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 that we are making a lot of progress in that area, and we'll see that absurd. The absurdity around that is that hemp is perfectly legal in this country as long as it's grown on the other side of the border. And uh, I, I have more confidence that that will be 
resolved before we see any other type of legalization. Do you think that America ever will be or is as American as apple pie and baseball? <laughs> what is America? I mean, I, it's, I think that we are a very diverse culture, and there is no one America. Sure. Uh, you know, I didn't mean to put it in that sense. I just meant, uh, do you think there'll ever be a time when, you know, the center field wall at Safeco Field, you know, rotates Budweiser and... Uh, you know, oh. a brand of cannabis. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think within we'll be. I think we're already seeing some of that. I mean, look, look outside the the hotel and the uh-huh. signage out there. But I, you know, I think in the next five years that we will be seeing that that uh, sort of marketing. As also, you know, as we start seeing cannabis is actually beneficial as a as a replacement to alcohol mm-hmm. and another or an alternative to alcohol. There's you know a lot less fear around the public marketing and, and that sort of thing. You know, when you see these these outdoor advertising campaigns are limited by city or state regulations. I think that you know as time goes on, uh, we'll see that easing a bit. That's great. You know, it, it's really interesting to me because cannabis has been such a big part of my entire life from the time when I was a teenager and I was smoking it to rebel. I'm really glad that I had cannabis as my rebellion being a fairly safe, innocuous substance. I'm kind of worried about the generations to come. What are they going to have to use to rebel <laughs> against their, their parents? Yeah, good, good point. You know? So, but yeah. I guess, you know, everything, uh, everything is evolution, right? Yeah, I mean, sometimes some people think it's, it's no fun anymore now that it's legal. But, right. But it's the right thing to do. You know, right. We should, you know, never be putting people behind bars for using a substance that is by every measure safer than than alcohol, tobacco, pharmaceuticals, or over-the-counter medicines for the most part as well. You speak of the truth, man. And so, you know, I just want to thank you for uh, sitting down with me for a few minutes. I want to thank you for doing this conference. I'm going to continue to attend every chance I get. And just thank you very much for being yeah, here and putting you. on a good Always show. A pleasure. Aaron Smith, the National Director for the NCIA. I want to thank everybody for listening. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com.
Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com. Now it's time for our Ask Kyle segment, where I answer your cultivation questions. So let's dig right in. From Kevin, I am having a problem with worms in my rock wool. Not good, Kevin. My plants are wilting and look like they're dying, and there's some kind of worm-like larva in the rock wool. Any idea what it is and how I can get rid of them? Well, I have to be honest. I had to do a little research on this. Without a picture, by the way, you guys can send pictures in along with your questions. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I'm going to guess it's these little clear glass-like looking worms. And um, chances are that they are larvae for gnats or whiteflies. And you can get rid of those with a good dose of Aza, Azadactrin. There's an Aza Plus product out there. Basically, it's a concentrated neem oil. You can try that. And if that doesn't work, you can also try a little Spinosad. is also another good, for, good remedy for soft-bodied insects. And I do have one other recommendation, possibly, and it's a, uh, a biological control called Bacillus israelensis, and that is contained in the product Natrol, G-N-A-T-R-O-L, mosquito dunks, and that usually works pretty well as on all really young, soft-bodied larvae. So that should get rid of whatever is crawling around in your rock wool, Kevin. Next question from Allison. I have a small hydroponic grow of 15 plants. What difference does it really make to use a CO2 injection unit? Is there a significant difference in the final yield or in potency? Well, Allison, CO2 is like oxygen for people. So when you have high oxygen levels, for example, if you're working hard and trying to climb a mountain like Mount Kilimanjaro, people generally use oxygen tanks to help them get to the top of the mountain. And you can think of that the same way with your plants. If you give them additional CO2, they're going to be able to breathe and respirate quicker and more easily. So they're going to perform their biological functions more quickly. And that is going to definitely increase your final yield from 10 to 15, sometimes as much as 20%. Potency, not so much. The plant is still going to have its potential to reach its top potency either way. It's more about yield than potency. From Brian, 
I need your advice about switching up some lighting in my room. I currently have three plants in veg with 312 watts of CFL. A friend of mine gifted me a 400-watt high-pressure sodium, but I can't use it unless I buy a metal halide conversion bulb to fit the ballast. Is it worth investing in the money, or should I just stick to the CFL? Well, adding sodium to your flowering plants is definitely a worthwhile endeavor. It mimics the late-fall sun and does help the plants, the flowers fully develop and ripen. I'm supposing it's a several hundred dollar investment. You might not make it back on your first cycle, but I think by your second cycle, you will have benefited enough that you'll probably get your cost back. So take that into account and decide how you want to move forward. Next question from Nick. Are there any homemade organic solutions for growing hydro, like a compost tea or something? I'd like to avoid using bottled stuff so I know exactly what's going into my babies. Well, Nick, kudos to you for wanting to be self-sufficient, but I do warn you that organic hydroponics is pretty elusive, and it's a hard thing to do. Yes, you can use compost teas, and you can even make guano teas, but the thing is you're going to have to have really, really good cleaning methods. Uh, You're going to have to continuously flush your irrigation system to make sure that your emitters and your lines stay free of debris and growth. Other than that, have at it. From Ben, I was gifted a couple of clones recently from a friend that uses cocoa. I use soilless mix. Can I transplant from cocoa straight into soilless? Absolutely shouldn't be a problem. Just make sure that you get a good root structure when you transplant and uh, always water after you transplant, regardless of whether your root ball is wet or not. Always give them some nutrients and some water during your transplant. From Sid, hi Kyle. I have a question about flushing. I've heard that flushing is to remove excess nutrients from the plants. So is it dangerous if you don't flush your plants prior to harvesting? Will I be smoking high levels of newts? And does flushing do anything for your yield, or is it just for getting rid of newts? Well, Sid, flushing is an important part of especially indoor growing, container growing, because things do tend to build up, so you want to help catalyze or give the plant the ability to use up everything that's left and hopefully give, give it a chance to finish up on plain water where your soil and the media has been mostly flushed of these extra nutrients. It'll give your plants a better flavor and a better finishing smokeability. Is it dangerous? No, it's not dangerous. It's just going to have to do with the smokeability and the smoothness of your finished smoke. So I do recommend planting a flush into your system. That's about all we have time for right now. If you want to submit your own questions, just send them to diane at kylecushman.com. That's D-I-A-N-E at kylecushman.com. Or send a message to beautbook.com slash the grow show. We are out of time once again. I want to thank our guests and producers for making the show possible. Make sure to check out my website, kylecushman.com, where you can find out where to follow me on social media, upcoming events I'll be attending, and subscribe to my newsletter. New episodes of The Grow Show get posted every Wednesday on CannabisRadio.com. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Please free your mind. Prison is no place for creativity. Thanks for joining us. And as always, stay lifted.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.